Okay, uncommon faith. And we'll look at this from, uh, from the book of Romans, chapter number four. We'll ask you to turn there. Um, uh, verse number 16, this uncommon faith. Because in here, we're going to see uh, how God honors, when, honors us and he'll honor uncommon faith. Something that's common, that means that it's pretty, you know, average, run of the mill. Is that right? It's pretty average. Um, but uncommon faith means that it's different than what's common. Uh, in this fourth chapter, we're going to see justification illustrated through this chapter. And through justification being illustrated, we're going to see a guy by the name of Abraham, all of y'all know him, uh, and how how he operated in uncommon faith. Now, why am I talking about uncommon faith? <clears throat> Here's why. I believe, guys, that we're at a stage or a time in the life of Christianity and the life of this church that we, we need to start operating in uncommon faith. In other words, we need to start operating uh, in that faith that, that does the supernatural, that faith that goes beyond what we can see uh, in everyday life. I, I believe that uh, the spiritual gift of faith should be operating in the lives or we should, we should be available uh, or, or be a vessel that's ready to receive that spiritual gift type faith, that faith that goes beyond what's, what's, what the average person does or what the average Christian uh, engages in. So <clears throat> uncommon faith uh, it's going to be necessary in order for this church to get to the level in God that he designed for us to get to, to do the things that he's instructed us to do. Um, so let's, let's start our reading, if you will, uh, at uh, the 16th verse. It says, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. Everybody say all. Okay, next verse says what? That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life. We've been talking about it's time to live again on Sunday. Dead things need to come back to life. Everybody say the dead stuff in my life needs to start living again. Okay? Uh, <clears throat> if you got dead, your finances dead, say it's time to live again, finances. Yeah, if your marriage is dead, say it's time to live again, husband, wife. Okay? Whatever is dead in your life, it's time to resurrect that. God wants to use every aspect of our life to advance his kingdom principles. And it's going to take uncommon faith to make that happen. So he says, I made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Verse 18, let's read. It says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Next verse, let's go. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. There it is again. And so was Sarah's womb. His body dead, Sarah's womb dead. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. 
21 and 22. Let's go. He was fully convinced. Watch this. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. And I gotta, I'm going to stop right there because we talk about uncommon faith. I want to know from each one of you all that are sitting out there, and I'm talking to myself too, are, are we fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised? I mean fully convinced. When you are fully convinced of something, guys, it will, it will motivate you and exhort you to operate and to walk in that thing that you say you're fully convinced in. Now, here's what I do know. A lot of believers may say that with their mouths, but they're not really moving on the thing that they say they're fully convinced in. This text says he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Okay? Verse number 22 says this. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as what? Righteous. Okay? So let's, can we walk through this? Uh, this fourth chapter of the book of Romans tonight, we're talking about uncommon faith, that faith that's, that's beyond uh, the things that make sense in the natural. God desires for each one of us, he desires for each one of us to live in such a way that we'll take him at his word, regardless of how we feel, regardless of how it, quote, makes sense or not make sense. God is looking for a people who have that uncommon faith, that kind of faith that will, that will cause you to be so convinced and f- so fully, fully persuaded that you'll act on what you've heard, that you'll act on what he promises. So, so, so Paul here in his fourth chapter continues to lay out the foundation for the Christian faith to the believers in Rome. And in chapters four through eight, We'll give us a little background. In chapters 4 through 8, he begins to explain how God's plan of salvation was in complete harmony with the Old Testament scriptures. And he starts first with the father of the Jewish nation, Abraham. The Jewish Christians in Rome will want to know how does this doctrine of justification by faith relate to our history? Uh, Paul, uh, you know, you say this doctrine is witnessed to about the law and the prophets. Well, what about Abraham? Because again, the Jewish nation traced their history back to Abraham, right? Uh, even uh, 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 those Gentiles, uh, non, non-Jewish people traced their history back to Abraham also. Because y'all remember uh, there was, a, there was two, two brothers. Uh, one was by uh, the slave girl, right? There was Isaac and what? Ishmael, right? Ishmael was, was, was the outside child. Can we talk that way? Now, I know we know something about outside children, right? Okay, so, so let's put it that way. Ishmael was the outside child. Yet, even if you, if you look at uh, uh, Islam today, they trace their roots back to Abraham because you have Isaac, which the Jewish descendants came down through, and then you have Ishmael, which the Arabic or the Islamic People trace their history back to Abraham. So Abraham was the father of, of, of them all. Okay, so so the Jewish Christians want to know because what Paul is doing here in this fourth chapter is continuing his argument that that justification before God is not by keeping the law, but justification before God is by having faith in God. Because Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. So Paul engages in this discussion about how Abraham 
was saved, and he did this for three reasons. First of all, the Jews regarded Abraham as the great founder of the Jewish race and the person for whom they should pattern their lives after. So what Paul is saying is, if I can prove to you that Abraham was justified by faith, then you ought to believe that you can be justified by faith, right? Because, guys, most of us grew up in a church culture where we, we, we really, in some ways, believed that if we did good enough, then we were going to be pleasing to God. If I did, if I did well enough, if, I'm, if, I, if my bad outweighs my good, I mean, if my, if my good, excuse me, <laughs> scratch that, if my good outweighs my bad, then when I get to heaven, I'm going to be all right. How many of y'all grew up somewhat with a, a doctrinal mindset that if I do good enough, I'm going to be okay? I mean, most, most people uh, think that, uh, that, that if I do good enough, I'm going to be okay. Well, well, what we come to understand as we study the Bible, that none of us in our natural human state can do enough good to be righteous in the sight of a holy God because God is holy. He is sinless. And so when we come to him with anything in, inside of us that's not pure and holy, then, then it, it, it disqualifies us. So none of us can be saved by just being good enough, all right? So, so what Paul does is he seeks to get these Jewish Christians to understand and believe that Abraham was justified by faith. Secondly, Paul has just been seeking to prove that what makes a man right with God is not the performance of the works that the law lays down, but the simple trust of complete yieldingness uh, to, to, to God and his word. In other words, it's not how, how much law I keep. Now, guys, we ought to do what we know is right to do. But, but our righteousness is not based on keeping the law because the law says this, if I violate it in one area, then now I am guilty of it all. So that means that, that if I mess up over here, but I'm doing real good over here, then I'm really guilty of it all. So that means that I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't, I don't want to be judged based off of, of being guilty of it all because I, I'm, I'm still dealing with some stuff right now. How many of y'all dealing with some stuff? How many of y'all still, you know, sometimes you, 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 you let your temper get the best of you. Sometimes you let your emotions uh, get out of control. Is that right? Sometimes you don't think straight. Sometimes we don't think biblically. Correct? So, so I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be... I don't want to be judged based on how good I keep the law because if I mess up in one area, the Bible says I'm guilty of it all. So thirdly, again, when we look at this, uh, the, uh, Paul begins to speak about Abraham because he was a wise teacher who knew the human mind and the way it works. He had been talking about faith. Okay, Now, faith is, 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 is an abstract idea. Uh, abstract. What, what do you mean by abstract, Pastor? Well, that's theoretical. It's, it's thought, of, thought apart from material objects. Hebrews one, Hebrews eleven and one. Go there right quick. Let's look at that. Look what that said. Hebrews eleven and one, and we quote it all the time. But let's see it one more time. Hebrews eleven and one, because we want to understand that this uncommon faith that Abraham had, this this kind of faith that put in him in a position to where he was justified before God. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Can we read it out loud together? Let's read it. It says what? Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance 
about things we cannot see. That's what faith does for us. Now, guys, if, if we're really honest about it, I think a lot of believers don't truly believe, uh, don't truly have the confidence that what they're hoping for is going to actually happen. They're, they're, they're just kind of, you know, just kind of, well, if it, it you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and a praying. I'm, you know, I don't know, but I just, I just, I, I hope that God will do it. Hoping that God will do it. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is a confident assurance of a future event. So, so, so if I'm going to have uncommon favor, if I'm going to walk in the in the type faith, uh, uncommon faith, if, I, if I'm going to have the type faith that Abraham had, then I'm going to have to get to a point to where I have confidence that what the Bible promises will actually going to come to pass. That that it, it, it faith will give us that assurance about things that we cannot see. So that means this, when I'm praying about something, Cassandra, while I'm praying, I'm also visualizing and seeing the answer to the thing that I'm praying about. You know, the, the Bible says this about Abraham, and I don't have time to turn there, but it says this, it gave us a glimpse, or I think it's over in Romans, it begins to give us a glimpse into Abraham's mind when he was called by God to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice on the altar. And the Bible says this, that, that in his mind's eye, while he was pulling back the knife, he saw God raising Isaac from the dead. Now, what caused him to see in his mind's eye God raising Isaac from the dead? Well, I'll tell you what, what, what caused it to be in his mind's eye, because he had a promise from God. God said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And it's going to come through you and Sarah's seed, not you and, and your slave girl's seed. So what Abraham knew, even as he, be, he was being obedient to God by getting ready to sacrifice his son on the altar, he knew that in order for God to keep his promised word, he would have to raise Isaac from the dead. Because God cannot lie. So, so when you're praying about something, guys, you need to begin to see it coming to pass. When you're praying about something, you need to be able to, 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 to confess it out loud with your mouth, but see it internally with your mind's eye. The text says in Mark 11, uh, have faith in God, uh, but if thou shalt say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and should I die in thy heart, but believe that those things which you say are going to come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. So Abraham, even as he was being obedient to God, he was being obedient and he had confidence. He had, he had, this, he had this confidence that what he was hoping for is going to actually happen. He had a word from God. That word from God enabled him to go and get ready to bundle his, his child up, strap him down, and put him on the altar to sacrifice him. Because in his mind's eye, he saw God having to raise him up from the dead if he allowed him to go through with this with this, with this sacrificial death. Now, that's pretty strong, guys. That's pretty strong. I'm, I'm wondering how many of you all, if you were given the same challenge, you think about your child. And, and, and theologians say that, uh, I think the age of, 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 of Isaac during this time, he wasn't, he wasn't like four or five years old. I think he was a, he was a teenager around 16 years old age, someone there. So it wasn't like he was just a little, little baby who couldn't help himself. The, the, the beauty of this thing is, is that you remember when, when, when he asked, he said, Father, where's, where's the sacrifice? I see the fire, I see the wood and all that, but where's, where's the sacrifice? Now, I don't know about you, but, but probably my son would have started wanting to fight. 
But nowhere in the scripture text does it say that Isaac began to rebuff against his dad. He allowed him to tie him up. He was obedient to his father. But, but most of our children would have been running to my mama gone crazy. Dad would have lost his mind, right? But, 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 but he, he, he was obedient to his father, and his father knew. His father had confidence that what he had hoped for was going to actually happen. It gives us assurance. That's what faith, the faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Okay, y'all with me? So uh, as we get, we, we, we move into here, uh, when Paul began to speak about Abraham, he was, on, he was on ground that every Jew knew and understood. Go back with me to this, this fourth chapter. Go back to the, to, the, uh, to the first verse of this fourth chapter right quick, okay? Are y'all still with me? Everybody say uncommon faith. I'm talking about that faith that, that just, um, um, that, that don't make sense. That faith that you cannot figure out. That faith that you cannot put a pencil to. Come on now. That faith that you cannot put a pencil to and figure out how in the world did we make it these last six months on the little amount of money that I was bringing in? How in the world did, did, were we able to, to not go hungry and when I add it up, when I put call, when I put the budget together, the income is less than the outgo. How did we make it? I don't know about, has anybody else been there where, where, you, where you look back up and you're like, God, when I, when I look back and then, we, and then we paid everybody too. Lord, how did you do it? How many of you know we serve a God who make a way out of no way? How many of you know we serve a God who rewards uncommon faith. See, true faith is, is, is that thing that, that we can't see. If I can see it, guys, I don't need faith for it. If I, if I can see it, man, to kneel. You don't have to have faith for it. I, I, I still, it still boggles my mind what the Lord is doing with you and that business opportunity that you stood on for. I, I, I know you... I know you talked about it for about at least 10 years. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I think I may have told you this before. When you, you kept talking about it, and it just, it's like, this girl really believed this stuff. She really believed it's going to come to pass. I mean, 10, 12 years of speaking about the business opportunity that God had planted in her spirit, and it came to pass. And not only did it come to pass, but it's prospering. That just, that, to me, you know, that, and man, yeah, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if you ever doubted or not, but, but, but God came through. And sometimes we turn to loose our faith too soon. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are not seen. We need some uncommon faith up in here. We need some families. We need some individuals who say, Pastor, I'm, I'm willing to stand and believe for God to do supernatural things through this church. I'm, I'm willing to stand and believe for God to bring the resources into this house for us to, to, to help transform this community. We got others in here that, that have stood in faith and believed God for supernatural uh, manifestation of his blessings, choice blessings in their life, okay? So, but watch, watch this. L look at verse number one. Let's, let's read. It says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? Let's read it. Let's go. It says, what? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, 
he would have had something to boast about, but that was not God's way. What was not God's way? You, know, you, you, you being accepted to God by your good deeds, okay? In other words, that, that's not God's way. Us being acceptable to God is not based on how good we are. I need us to, to understand that. Now, we ought to do good, but our righteousness does not come by our good deeds. We ought to do good works. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, but our good works don't save us. Are y'all listening to me? But that was not God's way. Verse 3, let's read. It says what? But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Next verse. Let's go. Uh, David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Verse 7 says what? Let's go. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Verse 8. Let's go. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Verse 9. How many of y'all glad God cleared your record? I want to know how many of y'all got a little nasty record. <laughs> I want to know how many of you got, you got something on your record. You're like, thank God that the blood washed away that sin. Thank God that, that these TV screens can't play my life out before you. Some of y'all know y'all be doing this number here. If the Lord said, now, Bobby Figaro, we're going to play every aspect, every second of your life on this screen right now. Charles Hardiman, Cassandra Frederick right now. Doyle Adams right now. <laughs> Guys, we, 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 we got to be thankful that the blood cleanses us. That the blood washes us. Because nobody sitting here under the sound of my voice is good enough to get into heaven. I'm not saying you're not a, a good, decent person, but see, our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. Everybody said uncommon faith. Now, let's, let's read. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? Now, again, think about this for a second. Y'all heard me kind of mention this the last few weeks when we talk about the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, uh, it's, it, the, Roman, the book of Romans is a key book for doctrinal understanding. I, I think it, it, it's, I would challenge you to do an in-depth study on the book of Romans. Paul writes it, and, and so he's writing it, and what's, what's, what's transpiring is you have the, the New Testament church in its early existence. You have Jewish Christians uh, and Gentile Christians coming together as one into the body of Christ the new institution that's called the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. God was working through the nation, his, 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 the Hebrew nation. Now he's set the Hebrew nation aside. Now he's working through the church. So when the church first came together, you had Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians coming together in the church, and they came from different backgrounds. And, and so some of the Jewish Christians were still trying to hang on to some of the tenets of Judaism. They still like, you know, want to make sure you got circumcised men. They still wanted to make sure that, that, that there was a certain dress code and cert, certain hair length and, and certain holy days you kept. There were certain foods you couldn't eat either. But then you had a Gentile Christian who said, who I eat whatever I want to eat. If I want squid, I eat squid. If I want 
uh, uh, you know, uh, pig feet. I need pig feet. Okay. So, so you had you had these different, you know, you know, these different little nuances that are going coming coming in here. And there were some Jewish Christians who thought that the Gentile Christians really didn't have what they had. So what now Paul is doing here, he's explaining to 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 the whole church, but particularly the, this Jewish Christian, that hey, listen, your salvation ain't based on the fact that you were a natural born Jew. Your salvation is not based on the fact that you're keeping the law because you ain't keeping it as well as you want to pretend like you're keeping it. Y'all following this scenario here? Okay, so so now, is this blessing only for the Jews or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. Verse number 10, let's go. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, watch this, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Now, why, circumcised. Now, why is this important? Because, again, the Jews trace their heritage back to Abraham. So Paul says, if I can prove to you that Abraham was not justified or declared righteous by circumcision, then you ought to believe that you're not justified or declared righteous by being circumcised. Okay? All right. <laughs> Speaking of circumcision, I was... This is a little funny thing that happened when I was back in the study. You know, when you're back in the study and talking to your grandson, he, he just tell you stuff that you like, where did that come from? <laughs> and I, this just came up. He said, he said, he said, Papa. And I, I've gotten used to him calling me Papa now. I just, that, that, that was, you know, I had to get used to that. <laughs> he said, Papa, I, 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 I pee pee like my daddy now. I said, oh, okay. He said, he said I've been practicing. <laughs> he said, yeah, I got tired. I guess he got said, I got tired of sitting down on the toilet. I'm going to stand up. Got tall enough to I can stand up. So I just, I just thought y'all may want to know that. <laughs> I don't know why circumcision brought that up. Okay, son. Yeah, that's good. Good. Good to know. I mean, he just—he just going. He figured he needed to tell his pop all that he—he know how to pee like a big, big man. <laughs> Don't y'all tease him, okay? How this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised, or was—was was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Now, watch this. So what we, what, we, what we come to understanding of here is, is that, uh, that Abraham was, was, was accepted by God. Abraham was declared righteous before he ever performed the act of circumcision, before God ever uh, you know, brought the act of circumcision upon him. Okay? Um, so Abraham was justified by faith, not by works. Write that one down real quick. Abraham was justified by faith, not by works, okay? Um, you know, Paul called two witnesses to prove that statement. He, he called up Moses over in Genesis 15 and 6, okay? And, um, 
And so in, in verses 1 through 3, Paul examined the experience of Abraham as recorded in Genesis 15. Let's go to Genesis 15 right quick, okay? Abraham had defeated the kings in, in the 14th chapter and was wondering if they would return to fight him again. And so God appeared to him and assured him that he was his shield and his exceeding great reward. Genesis 15, look at starting at verse number 1, right? Okay? All right. Glory. God assured him that he was his shield and his exceeding great reward. The text says this. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Is that what he says? How many of y'all know that when the Lord is your protector, you don't have to worry? When God is your protector, when he's your shield and your buckler, he's got your back. The text says, uh, it says, do not be afraid, Amen, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Next verse, let's read. It says what? But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Because, you know, back, to, back in, in this time in which Abram lived, it, you, you, the family was thought to be cursed if they didn't have a boy child. They could have as many girls they want to, but a boy child was very prized during this period of time in which they lived. He says, because uh, the, 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 the son would carry on the lineage, would carry on the name, okay? He says, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son since you've given me no children? Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. Verse 3, let's go. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Verse 5 says, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord. Watch this now. And Abram did what? All God did was take my side, look at the stars, say, all those stars like that. You see those stars? That's how many sins you're going to have. And Abraham believed. And the Lord did what? Counted him as righteous because he was circumcised. No, because of what? His faith. Guys, here's what God is trying to do with us. And we're talking about uncommon faith. God is trying to get all of us to a point to where we trust him totally and completely. And the truth be told, none of us in here are there yet. Well, we trust him totally and completely in every area, in every asset for healing, for financial blessings, for, for, you know, for, for, our, for our well-being, our family, for everything. If we're really honest about it, there are pockets of unbelief that we sometimes have. There's doubt that rises up. And God is, saying, God is trying to get us to have that uncommon faith to the point to where we trust him totally and completely. All right, watch it. Verse 7, let's go. Come on. It says, uh, then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, oh, sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Now watch what God does. The Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Now he's getting ready to offer a sacrifice right now, and he, he's going he's gonna to show Abram, hey, listen, hey, 
my word is true. And I, I, because you asked me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something here to convince you. He says, so Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the half side by side. He did not have a cut the birds in half. Now watch the next verse. So vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep and terrifying darkness came down over him. The text says this, then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Prophetically talking about captivity in Egypt. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them and in the end they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. And he says, after four generations, your descendants will return here to this land for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. Let's stop right here. The, the text begins to go into where when the sun goes down, God passes between the parts, the divided parts. And it's a sign of him a cutting covenant with Abraham. See, covenant is a very serious thing with God. When we enter into covenant with God, it's not like some of us enter into covenant with our marriages. Some folk enter into covenant with marriage and they, they ain't got, they, they, they're no bit more uh, um, uh, committed than a man on the moon. They committed as long as you do what they say do. They committed as long as everything's going their way. God really understands covenant. He wants us to understand covenant too. So he cuts covenant with Abraham to give him assurance that his promise is, is true. Now, let, let's get back. Let, let's go over to, uh, to Psalms 32 right quick, okay? Uh, Psalm 32. Abraham had defeated the king's over in Genesis 14, I told you. And now he, God has given him confident assurance that he's got his back. Uh, go to Psalms uh, 32 with me right quick. Psalms, yeah, Psalms 32. And look at verse number one. Psalms 32, one and two. Psalm of David. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Next verse says, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt whose lives are lived in complete honesty. God, you know, it, it's, 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 it's amazing that God loves us so much that he decides that he's going, to, he's going to wipe our slate clean so that we can come into his presence and commune with him, okay? Um, uh, when, when we look back and look in, if you go back to Genesis 15 chapter and look back over here, God promised and Abraham believed God's promise. And the Hebrew word translated believe means to say amen, Okay? God gave a promise and Abraham responded with amen. And every time God gives us a promise, we ought to read it and say amen. Because amen means I believe, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with what you said. So Abraham agreed with what God says. He agreed with him that you're going to be the father of many nations. He agreed with him that you're going to have a son in your old age. Now y'all know the story. I'm not going to go back over all of it. You know he was 100 years old and Sarah was what, 90? And they had a son. Because God said you're going to have a son. I don't care what people say. I don't care how many times it's failed before. If God tells you to do something, that doggone it, you better get out there and start doing it. Man, because his word is true, okay? Go back to Romans right quick. Come on, got to move. Go back to Romans. So, we, we, you know, David experienced God's uh, covenantal blessing along with Abraham. Um, Romans, the fourth chapter. Let's get back there right quick. Glory to God. So everybody said uncommon faith. Um, Romans chapter four, um, four, let's go back to Romans four. Look at verse, back at verse three with me right quick. And I'm going to read it from the KJV it says, for what said the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. The word counted 
in, in this third verse here is a Greek word that means to put to one's account. Okay, it's a, it's actually a banking term. Um, now, uh, how many of y'all uh, nowadays get your uh, your check, whether it's a retirement or Social Security or payroll check? How many of y'all get your payroll check, Social Security check, retirement check directly deposited? Okay, how many of you still go to the bank and cash it? Nothing, nothing wrong with it. Just you, just, you little old fashioned. That's okay. But, but you, 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 it's okay to go to the bank and cash it. But most people, most people nowadays uh, do a direct deposit so they can have it there immediately okay, without having to make that trip to the bank. As a matter of fact, I think uh, at one point in time, Social Security Administration was pushing everybody to get a direct deposit. I think you may have to get it. Is that true, Laura? You have to get it direct deposited now. So, uh, so we, we understand we understand the concept of direct deposit. We understand the concept of something being put to our account. To, to our account, this word uh, "counted" uh, means to put to one's account as if your check, your payroll check, was put to your account. How many of y'all, when you get paid, you you go uh, immediately if you do online banking, you go immediately to see if that check is in your account? How many of y'all do that on the day you get paid? Most people do. Okay. Now, if, if you you balling and big balling, you don't ever check your money, then that's okay. But even, I think Brother Carl gave us an article that said, you, I don't care if you do have uh, excess, balance your checkbook. So you ought to be looking to see what came into your, into your account because banks make mistakes, right? People make mistakes. Uh, but when it's, uh, when it's accounted, that means it's been put to your account on the day that you're supposed to be paid, right, through direct deposit. This same word is used 11 times in this fourth chapter of Romans, but it's translated reckoned in the KJV. Uh, and it's translated imputed, okay? When a man works, he earns a salary, and this money is put to his account. But Abraham did not work for his salvation. He simply trusted God's word. It was Jesus Christ who did the work on Calvary's cross, and his righteousness was put on Abraham's account. His righteousness was put on our account. We didn't do anything to deserve the righteousness that's, that's been put to our account. Jesus did all the work. Are y'all following me tonight? So in, in, verses, in verses six through eight, Paul used David as a witness, quoting from one of David's Psalms. Again, we already read, read that Psalms 32, one through two, quoting from one of David's Psalms of confession of, after his terrible sin with Bathsheba. David made two awesome statements. He, he said, God forgives sins and imputes righteousness apart from works. God forgives sins and imputes righteousness apart from works. And the second thing he says, God does not impute our sin. I'm so, I'm so thankful that God does not place our sins on our account. In other words, to be there forever. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Now, we're going to be judged based on how, how faithful and committed we are to the work of ministry and what we did. But I thank God that every sin that we did won't be sitting there waiting on us when we get to heaven. The blood did what? Washed it away. Okay, so in other words, once we are justified, our record contains Christ's perfect righteousness and can never again contain our sins. Christians do sin, y'all, and these sins need to be forgiven if we are to have fellowship with God. But these sins are not held against us. Go to 1 John 1, 5 through 7 with me right quick. 1 John 1, 5 through 7. Y'all know this, but I want y'all to see it again. All right, uncommon faith. 
So the first thing I told you to write down was what? Abraham was justified by faith and not by works. The second thing I want you to write down is he was justified by grace and not by the law. He was justified by grace and not by the law. Talking about uncommon faith here. This, you know, he deserved, none of us deserve uh, the right standing that we have before God, but I thank God he gave it to us. So 1 John 1, 5 through 7 says this, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Next verse. So we are lying. Watch this now. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. So what is he saying here? He says, when people claim that they're in fellowship with God in the church, but their lifestyles are, are so raggedy, it's so sinful, and they, they continue to live that way, what he's saying is that person is lying. You cannot be in fellowship with God and living in open sin. Can I say it again? You cannot, none of us can be in fellowship with God and live in open sin. None of us can be in fellowship with God. None of us can walk in uncommon faith if we have a lifestyle of sin. Are y'all listening to me? It's time for us as a body of believers to, to shed ourselves and to rid ourselves of anything that's causing us not to have proper fellowship with God. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Verse number seven, let's read. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All right, so, uh, you know, I think I pointed out to you before that the Jews glorified in circumcision and the law. So if a Jew were to become righteous before God, he would have to be circumcised and obey the law. Paul already made it clear in Romans 2, verses 12 through 29, that there must be an inward obedience to the law and a circumcision of the heart, not just outward circumcision. See, the Jews thought that if I get circumcised uh, you know, on the eighth day uh, as a baby, then that, that's what declares me righteous. Outward circumcision by itself does not make you right. God says, I want your heart to be circumcised. I want you to be cleansed from the inside out. Can I get a witness? So, so he was justified by grace and not by law. So he's, he's trying to prove, again, remember, don't forget the point. He's trying to prove to these believers, these Jewish Christians, that Abraham was not justified by his works and what he did. We're going to see that he was justified by faith. Okay, Abraham was declared righteous when he was in a state of when, when, when he was in a state of uncircumcised. He hadn't even been circumcised yet when God declared him righteous. So from the Jewish point of view, Abraham was actually a Gentile because he wasn't circumcised at the time he was declared righteous. He was 99 years old when he was circumcised. Uh, you know, man, that's 99 he was circumcised. Uh, I don't know, you know, I, if you didn't catch me, if you, if, if, if you didn't catch me when I was a baby, you ain't gonna, yeah, uh, okay. Circumcision had nothing to do with justification. That's all I'm trying to say, okay? And so he's proving that. He's telling the Jewish Christian that, that so that they can understand that, that they are not declared righteous 
by doing this outward stuff. Third point I want you to write down. Okay, Abraham was justified by resurrection power. By resurrection power and not human effort. He was justified by resurrection power and not by human effort. Glory to God. He was justified by resurrection power and not by human effort. Okay. Let's get back to Romans, the fourth chapter right quick. I want to get down toward the end. I got to see if we can close this section out. Okay. You know, one of the reasons, one of the reasons why God delayed in sending Abraham and Sarah son was to permit all of the natural strength to decline and disappear. You know, you're 100 years old, you ain't thinking about that. 90 years old, you're not thinking about that. And, that, and, and what God has to do with some of us is, because remember, uh, when he first told them about having a child, what did Sarah do? She laughed. She, she laughed, right? She laughed because uh, she thought it was ridiculous for somebody to be telling them that they're going to have children at their age. See, there's some stuff that God wants to do in our lives supernaturally, but he can't do it until we enter into uncommon faith. Until we can believe him even though it don't make sense to the natural faculties. It doesn't make sense to our mental, to our mental faculties. If God says it in the word, we got to get to a point where we believe it, amen, unconditionally. Okay? Are y'all with me? So, uh, so, so, so one of the reasons why, again, God delayed in sending Abraham and Sarah's son was to permit all the natural ways to get to, uh, to, to be done away with. And there are some times in our lives, guys, where God, God is waiting for all human reasons and excuses to be done away with, where we have no other hope but him. And he's waiting because some of us, if, if he does it right now, we're going to take credit for it. Some of us, if he does it right now, we're going to give credit to the job. We'll give credit to our mom and our daddy. We're going to give credit to, to, to whatever else besides him. So sometimes God has to wait till all that stuff is out of the way. You have no other choice but to trust and believe him. Are y'all listening to me? So, so from a reproductive point of view, both of them were dead, right? But how many of you know God can bring alive that thing that's dead? Can I get a witness? God can resurrect and make alive that thing that in the natural is dead. That relationship that you think is dead and gone, God can resurrect that relationship. I've seen him do it. I know he'll do it. He can bring it back to life. That thing that you think is hopeless, God, when you turn it over to him and begin to walk in uncommon faith, he can bring it back together again. It can be vibrant again. It can be wholesome. It can be, it, it can be flourishing because God honors uncommon faith. Amen? So, so Abraham didn't walk by sight, but he walked by faith. So what, what I'm going to do next week, we're going to come back and we're going to look at the rest of this chapter. And I, I want us to take a look at Abraham's plight and begin to see if we can see ourselves uh, uh, walking in uncommon faith. Uh, if we can see ourselves, I mean, being able to do, do what Abraham did when, when he believed God for the impossible. He believed God to be able to do that thing that he could not see or even imagine with his natural mind. Because we need 
people in this body who are willing to say, you know what, I don't know how it's going to work out. You know, I, I, don't, I have no sense or concept of what God's going to do, but I'm going to trust that he's going to work it out for me. I don't know how we're going to get that thing done. Uh, Pastor, I don't know how we're going to reach those folks over here or reach the folks over here, but I believe that next year we're going we're to reach at least 100 souls for Christ. I need somebody who's going to believe that. God needs somebody who, who in this church will stand up and say, you know what, I, it hadn't been done before, that don't, that don't matter. Just because it hadn't been done before, that means that there's a first time for everything. I don't tell y'all about that, it ain't been done before. I don't care, to me that's, that's a challenge. Because just because it hasn't been done before don't mean that God can't do it now. Can I get a win? Ever say uncommon faith. Okay, we'll, we'll pick up on next week uh, and, and go down, flow down through the rest of this chapter looking at Abraham's life and, and see what God has, is trying to tell us uh, as a body of believers here in the church. There are some things that God wants to do, but it's going it's to it's call for uncommon faith. It's going gonna, it's gonna to call uh, for you and I to to quit putting limits on God. I mean, quit putting limits on God. Quit saying what can't happen and start confessing what can happen. Death and life are where? In the power of the tongue and they that love and do what? Eat the fruit thereof. So let's do it. Everybody say uncommon faith. Come on, get the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.